I probably sound the worst. I'm on shitty, expensive Apple headphones. Shitty, expensive That's... Apple headphones make the podcast world go around. Shitty, no, they make expensive. my they make my wallet empty. That too. Don't buy these, by the way. <laughs> That's a bad combination of attributes, though. Shitty and expensive. <laughs> and Apple. Listen, you 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 fucking watch it. They signed my checks you, for years. You got the shit factor there. I mean, <laughs> hey, I got a lot of good experience out of that job and an anxiety disorder. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. I can't fault you too much. Like all of the hardware that goes into this podcast, other than the microphone itself, is Apple. So suck my dick. <laughs> I have nothing my, Apple in my entire my, home. My, so my job security is is like directly uh, related to them staying in business. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows what the fuck they're doing with those things at my work. Legit. Before we move on, should we get an official Slums cast uh, seal of disapproval for those headphones? Can you tell the crowd what headphones they are? Yeah, these are the Apple AirPods Max. The pros, they look good. The cons, they are 550 American dollars. It's a pretty big fucking con. That's a large number of dollars. In Netrunner terms, that's like just a little bit less than what the gauntlet costs. That's a throwback because I, sh- I spent my whole first episode shitting on that fucking card. Did we ever discuss the review that the Slums cast got that referenced that episode? I think what do you sent it to me? <laughs> L- let me pull it up <laughs> on Apple Podcasts real quick because it's very funny. This podcast brought to you by Apple. Apple, think different. <laughs> okay, here. All right, I'll let you, if you've got it, you can, you can Yes, this is, this is a review of the Slums cast from April 2021. Broken Promises. If you listen to the Slums cast, you know that at the beginning of every episode, they make a solemn promise between podcast, host, and listener that listening to their show will not make me a better Netrunner player. Well, I just wanted to let the world know that after the most recent Slums episode blasting the card Gauntlet, I took Gauntlet out of my Steve deck, cried a single tear, and replaced it with Penny Shaver and Docklands Past, which feels so much better. I'm yeah, pretty sure welcome. this change made me slightly, maybe a slightly, oh so slightly better Netrunner player. And I just want to express my disappointment in a public forum, because that's what the young people do nowadays, right? Young people? To protest this betrayal, I have decided to continue to listen to the Slums cast to see if they can keep their promises in the future. TLDR, love the cast. Thanks. Thank you. Alzisby, I think is the way that you say the name. Either way, that is easily the best review we have gotten of all time. And I am so glad that we managed to change someone's mind on the gauntlet. Is it the only review you've gotten of all time? Uh, It's one of two. The other one says cut the feed. Yeah, that's that's Gans. We we broke the other promise because I think, Josh, we honestly, all three of us probably became better people by getting the gauntlet out of someone's deck. Oh, I thought you were going to say for shitting on the gauntlet. Like, no, I've been doing that for years, bro. I playtested <laughs> that shit. I know exactly how shitty it is. Yeah, shitting on the gauntlet is the only moral decision. Let's be real here. Oh, God, a... are we going to shit on the gauntlet for five more minutes? I love how you can make the choice of putting gauntlet in your deck when also, um, what's the ice that you literally just can't break all subroutines on it on HQ? Afshar, yeah. yeah. I love how you can just inst- you can just play the gauntlet in a world where Afshar is legal and good. <laughs> it's, just, it's just really funny to me. <laughs> Slap two Afshars on HQ and just the runner cries. Two, two Afshars on HQ against a gauntlet deck is just the, the network equivalent to flipping a double oh, no. bird. 
Uh, even oh, how many man. subs? You know how many subs you get to break in each of these things? This many. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh. No, dude, that that is a double bird with thumbs out. We got to be clear here. For the viewers at home who are not viewers and can't see what Crank just did, it was with the thumbs out. Yeah. Honestly, the double bird is putting it lightly. That's like, you know, at the end of Star Wars Episode Three, where Anakin is just like an absolute husk of a person covered in fucking active lava just like his entire face burned off he's lying there he has like one limb and it's then giving him the double bird because this person's already playing the gauntlet hello and welcome back to the slums cast I'm your co-host, Nora Panzer, the winner of least likely to be a Netrunner villain for five years running in Netrunner magazine. And I'm Josh, aka Orbital Tangent, still Netrunner's okayest player. This is the Slums Cast. Presumably you know that. If you are here, you presumably clicked on something that said the Slums Cast, presumably in uh, sound, mind, and body. You can't complain anymore, but I will let you know what's going to happen. This is a podcast about genuinely trying and spectacularly failing to be good at Netrunner. This podcast, and this is a solemn promise between podcast host and listener when I say this, this podcast will not make you better at Netrunner, and it also will not make you a better person. It will introduce you to a special guest, though. Josh, would you like to do that? Oh, yes, absolutely I would. So I would like everybody to put their hands together for a man who proudly yells fuck shaper every time he slings that paper. And although his takes are septic, the beard on the face is still epic. Shout outs to motherfucking Cranked. What up? I'm Cranked. I'm 30 and I never fucking learned how to play a runner. That makes you a good fit for the cast. I think that makes a, a grand total of zero competent runner players on this podcast. Shout out to username equals pants. Shout out to Cranked. Those of you who have listened to the Slumscast for a while know this isn't the first time we've had cranked on the podcast. It's it's not even the second. That means it's the uh, the third times the charm episode, you know. And really, that's a perfect time to correct our mistakes. For instance, Josh, did you realize we have never had a the beef zone segment while cranked was on the pod? I'm pretty sure that that's not true. Well, worry not. We can have one now. Let's start off with the beef zone. Brought to you by Culver's. Brought to you by Culver's. We are officially sponsored. We are a sponsored podcast. On the beef zone, as always, we ask a simple question, which would win in a fight? Let's start with the undercard. Cranked, I'd like you to start us off on this. Which would win in a fight? Boat or boat? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with boat, Captain. Point number one, it's a boat. Point number two, it's a boat. And point number three, the opponent's not a boat. How can it be boat? What's better than boat? Josh, do you have any differing takes on the matter? Well, I have to disagree with Cranked here. The simple answer to your question is that boat is better than boat, obviously. I mean, listen, let's run down the facts here. It's a boat, number one. Number two, it's a boat. And number three, it's it's better than boat. Damn. See, I mean, I, I've been on the fence here, but I think one of your arguments just convinced me that boat's definitely going to come out on top here. I mean, 
Now, I, I don't think either of y'all mentioned this, so I do need to start with the obvious fact, number one, that it's a boat. If you look a little closer, if you, if you read between the lines, number two, it's a boat. And number three, um, if I think of the things that it isn't, it isn't not a boat. And really, that's also in favor of boat. So, Okay, Josh, if you're going to disagree with me, just answer me this. What can boat do that boat cannot? Your hesitation is telling, by the way. Let me turn it around. What can boat do that boat can't do? You're... Boat I, is I, boat. I don't know. Okay? I don't know if like, I'm on I don't that know. side, Josh. I don't know if I can stress this enough that boat's a boat. Can we go to the court stenographer and just like clarify that I did in fact point out that boat is boat? I just checked the tape. I am in fact hearing that boat is boat. Yeah, game set and match, motherfucker. All right. Okay. Okay. In, in all seriousness, of the two boat cards, do y'all think one of them's better than the other? Wait, there's a second boat card. <laughs> <laughs> Endurance is a boat. Ob's a boat. Okay, so here's the thing. We'll probably talk about this as we talk about these fucking Zoomer cards. Ob is like way too galaxy brain for my stupid Midwestern mind. I took one <laughs> look at that fucking thing. I'm like, someone else is going to figure this shit out. And I went right back to whatever it is that I was doing beforehand. I became endurance the whole time. Like, there's only one fucking boat card. I guess really the winner here is boat and boat both win versus the Midwest. That's true because we have no water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought there were like great lakes and shit they're not that great <laughs> don't, don't, don't you don't you need fine. that can pierce ice to like be in those or something all the ice is on our roads my guy like <laughs> you don't have ice in our water so you need a boat the, with we, wheels so it we can be on yeah, the roads yeah that's called the subaru forester that's that's our boat you know subaru forester the official boat of the midwest you know what we call that culture <laughs> I'm picturing a Viking funeral in a Subaru Forester. Pour some diesel on the tires, just to light a match. Statistically, that has happened in Madison, Wisconsin, my hometown. <laughs> like, it's very likely. To answer the question, um, I think that Ob is probably better once people figure it out. But I do think that endurance is really fucked up because it doesn't cost anything ever. You just never spend money. You just pay eight credits and never spend money again. Unless your boat gets bounced. <laughs> Well, shout then you pay the, credits again and you do it. Shout out to the throwing an axe at the boat. Can we, yeah. can we get an altar of hatchet job that's just a picture of an iceberg, please? You are talking can to the please? right person. I don't know. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that this is something that I would consider. Going to the topic at hand, I have to agree with you. Like, Ob is going to get figured out and it's going to be something incredibly powerful and incredibly galaxy brain. But I have no idea what the fuck that is right now. A vacuum, it's probably more powerful, but like everybody is slinging the icebreaker right now. It's like security Nexus 2.0, pretty much. The other fucked up, yeah. the other fucked up thing about Ob though is like, okay, let's say the best like Ob chains right now. I guess it's one to zero, but okay, let's say the best Ob chain right now is one to zero. Every time that they print it, they, like they can't print zero cost assets again that you can just chain into. There was the frenzied five minutes where everyone was like, oh shit advanced assembly lines before they realized it rotated and it was like oh right. cool i'll just grab a rashida at the end of the turn jackson howard onto the board when you're about to run archives like yeah all, all the fucked up shit you would have been able to do if you had advanced assembly lines like they can't print advanced assembly lines 2.0 even just any, anything zero with mca is like although what does that rotate that's like soon right no it's like years from now because flash MC, 
admittedly, MCO austerity policy does take a couple turns for you to pop it. Like it's it's not the sort yeah. of thing where you can do it their end of turn. But like, I mean, going into Drago, I mean, it's pretty fucked up. Super like you can, up. but like you can already see what these objects are doing to runner decks because you have people slotting stone ship chart room as like a tech card just to get to seven cards. That's fucked up. Like, that's it's, not. It's okay. really funny though. It's really funny. Oh, it's extremely funny. This reminds me so much of prepping for Worlds 2017 when no one knew what the fuck they were doing because rotation just happened. So it's like, uh, okay, so our wiring combo, what are we soft to? Oh, we're soft to uh, Sacrificial Construct. Okay, let's play 3x best defense just to shoot SatCon. Uh, great. Well, how do we beat uh, Yarnumerks? Uh, uh, okay, we scoop. We have to score out. We build a comp. So like people are just, it's just this weird arms race and it all ends in shapers blasting off again. All right, let's uh, let's move to the next undercard. We have a, a bonus stake tartar, which is which would win in a fight? Orcadex, Virus Suite, or Friends in Tag Places? Friends in Tag Places is uh, Trust Op, right? Yep. So, okay, so here's a point against Trust Op. Trust Op cannot trash Orcadex, Virus Suite. That's a big, uh, big problem for it. Uh, is you cannot cast Trust Operation targeting. You can't have, neither mode can target Cyberdex. So I think the answer is Cyberdex. Josh, counterpoint? No. Trust Operation is terrible. Damn. I loved I love Trust Op and I was it's a like cool I, ass I was, card. I was fucking around like build, I was like, oh, this would be really good in a Drago deck. Like advance, advance, Drago you, trust op, put some fucked up asset. And then like I'm I've been like NBN, I've been like CTM or like fucking R plus. And I'm like, how much infants trust op? It's one, right? That card is three influence. It's fucking what? It's three influence for what? one copy of Trust Op. That is not okay. That is absurd. I, my theory is they wanted people to play Retribution. But the thing mm. about Retribution is that Retribution uh, is you, and Trust Op is the guy she told you not to worry about. Trust Op is, like, it's a cool fucking card. I, it is legitimately a payoff, but why work so hard to get one tag in Trust Op then? when you could get two tags and just murder them in the face. Well, I think the reason you play Trust Op is that second sentence, right? It's getting to just, like, cheat something into play. Like, you just put a Corp Town in play or something and just, like, keep it going. Yeah. Or, like, if there's any ever any, like, giant assets, I'm thinking of a card like The Root that, like, you never want to pay six to res that thing. Yeah. But if you, like, pay zero or whatever Trust Op costs, that, like, that's, I think, why you play that card. Yeah. People were talking about Archer for free. And Corp Town, honestly, is one of the ones that's more interesting to me border control like I'd, I'd take getting a border control back especially yeah. ah, border control yeah. is fucked up in that idea when i look at trust up i i'm not that excited honestly like it gives you something for free but yeah i mean your maximum value is something that would normally have you sacrifice an agenda and most of that stuff the runner at, at some point can take it off the board it doesn't seem good enough like normally when you do tag punishment you either want it to win you the game or don't slot it. I think what's coloring our opinion of this card is the fact that we're all Netrunner boomers who, like, yeah. historically, one That's tag fair. meant, oh, you're, you're dead, mate. Put Scorcher at the side. One tag just meant you lose because I just exchanged you. It seems like now the way that the designs are moving is one tag is I get to fuck with your board. C, trust op, retribution, backroom machinations. Uh, and two tags is your dead, mate. So I, I would mean, argue that backroom machinations is a better card than trust up. That's incorrect. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing about here's the thing about back, backroom machinations. When you resolve that card, the game probably continues, and now they don't have a tag anymore. Yeah, but you have a point in your score area. 
and it's a point they couldn't steal. That I'll give you. The fact that they can't steal it is appealing. But like, it seems like so much more work to tag them and then backroom machinations them for a point than just like install echo chamber in your remote and wait a turn. Yeah, I, I was I about know, to I'd say rather I play might, echo chamber. I was about to say I might play it after echo chamber rotates, but like when echo chamber rotates, my reason to play six agenda as Mari rotates because as Mari's gone. Yeah, yeah you can play six agenda R plus though. Yeah, like that that deck's fun. Trust operation can do one extremely powerful thing, right? Which is like. Fuck you, I res a tier. The issue is having a deck that can give you a tag and trust operation you and have a tier in it, you are spending so much fucking influence from at least not, two factions. Not only have a tier in it, have a tier, you have to have it in, in the bin. bin. Yeah. yeah. You have to get it there somehow. So, and like right now, there really isn't a great way to just trash the cards you want. Like there's no mm-hmm. like, there's no thing that lets you just like put something in your yard. There is sabotage. Right? <laughs> the, the runners the runner saying, fuck you. you put that in your bin i'm saying <laughs> fuck me put this in my bin overdraw yeah. really is the best answer here and you have to go out of your way to do that is hasty relocation still legal yes solved it well hasty only trashes the top card of your deck doesn't it yeah fucking get lucky hasty into hasty got him i could also see trust operation being really good in startup there's not a lot of tag punishment and you're not spoiled for game ending tag punishment like boom. They're more likely to float tags because tags don't mean a ton. Yeah. So I mean, it just doesn't feel like a big enough payoff to me in startup. It probably is. Also, I would argue like say you're NBN, you still don't want trust up because if they're going to float tags, okay, you can just do Rashida on an event. You just want planogram and planogram is also good without tagging. I think my final point on why uh, the right answer is Sandbox is Sandbox is banned and Trust Operation isn't. Case closed. Uh, th- this this is the virus suite, not the Sandbox. Uh, we're, we're talking oh, about you're talking, you're talking about Mavirus? Yeah. Ma- Ma- yeah, yeah. Oh, Mavirus Ma- Ma- is still better. It's, it's it's good. All right, I'm going to move on to the primary matchup of the day, which is a four-way all-out destruction fight. Which would win in a fight? Big fucking deal. Drago fucking Ivanov, Trista fucking Byroids, or Mutual fucking Destruction. All right, I have a lot of thoughts on this one. It cannot be Trista fucking Byroids. That card's a meme. That's a card that you, like, fuck around with people on JNet with. So it's that one's out. It can't be Mutual fucking Destruction either because it's on it, and we can't let him win. So I cannot, I am obligated not to choose Mutual fucking Destruction. So it's really a choice between big fucking deal and Drago fucking Ivanov. And my heart wants to say big fucking deal because my heart wants to choose Sam Swede. The problem is that card is purple. And big fucking deal allows (laughs) you to score Project Vitruvius, which as we all know should be banned. So therefore, the answer must be Drago fucking Ivanov. That, That is a very systematic answer to the question. We whittled it down one by one. Josh, do you have a different take here? BFD all the way. Fuck you, Vitruvius haters. Purple boys. Unbelievable. Snack boys, sir? Fucking purple privilege at it again. Unbelievable. I mean, the problem with big fucking deal is not only do you get to score the banned card Project Vitruvius, you get to install advanced big fucking deal, and now you have five counters on it. Joke's on you. You cannot use those counters to to bring back your big fucking deal, because that shit's gone. You can get back like a sprint or something. The virgin sprint against the Chad big deal. It's all that sports needs. <laughs> sports doesn't even fucking play sprint anymore. I guess it is actually a lot worse now that they don't have Jeeves, is it? Yeah, you don't have Jeeves and you can just fucking score the uh, Elifagar and just draw, just get a point and draw two. Who cares? 
Fucking click it and ship it. Actually, you draw four because you also de-res your spin, Doctor. <laughs> what a dick slap. <laughs> oh, by the way. Okay, seriously, though, somebody is going to find a fucked up sports. Haven't they already found a fucked up sports? Like, do we do we need an even fucked up or sports? It's, it's good. Um, I think it's probably, it's a really good deck. I don't know enough about the current meta to know, like, is it the best deck? It is very good. Losing Jeeves blows. Losing Jeeves is a big deal, I think, in that deck. Didn't they used to literally play subliminal just to trigger Jeeves? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wild. Also, like, this isn't really related to Jeeves, but, like, it has to play real, like, not a real 5-3, but, like, another fake 5-3, but there's a pretty wide gulf between GFI and Vacheron, especially in a deck like that, where, like, you're you're already at a clock and Vacheron says, like, oh, I just get, like, four free turns for no reason. I don't know. I, I see your point, Josh. Like, I think the issue is 17 is a lot of fucking credits to play big fucking deal. I don't know. On, on this list... I think I have to go with Drago as well. That card is just fucking sick. Like, I also love that everyone kind of shit on that card when we first got shown. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what you can fucking do with this thing. They Uh, had forgotten that Seamless existed, I think. Yeah, there's no stipulations. It's just you can't, you can only tag them on your turn. Otherwise, like, the world is your playground. Like, this card is, it's not messed up. And I don't think it's a problem, at least not yet. But it's extremely good. Uh, and it's going to be an archetype in and of itself. Like, there's going to be people who, like, have a cottage industry making Drago decks. Mm-hmm. And they're going to win games with it. I mean, it's, oh, it yeah. Is, yeah. We don't have the tools we used to have for avoiding tags on the corp turn. So it's just much easier to actually land a kill if you do the work to get Drago in a place where you can kill with it. Install ADV, ADV, like turn from a, a like a sweat emoji play into a very sweat emoji play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I think there's going to be a deck that's going to get rich enough. And closing out a game with a big fucking deal is a thing that I know that I'm going to lose to. It's purple. We've all found ways to lose to purple when we shouldn't lose to purple. This is just another one. I think, Josh, I think, I think you're probably onto something, but... I think big deal is good. Uh, the problem is like yeah. glacier. Oh, it's, it's clearly a good card. Purple clearly glacier just isn't a thing right now. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just really not good enough because the purple decks can just afford to go faster. Corp late games are not as good as as runner late games. Even when like uh, redcoats was good, I think the gulf was wider. Like I think the the end game for the corp was just flat stronger than it was now. The game just moves too fast for big deal to be a card that you slot. You just have to push it out the door. Like yesterday, at least in purple. I but I think if we do get a, a credible purple glacier deck again, it will probably play a big deal or two as a closer. You know what uh, can burst up to nineteen credits like super fucking quick, Brian? Which Stinson. is what you need. F- well, yes, <laughs> but you're that, not that is never going to be unbanned. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not wrong, but I mean, you're wrong. You can outfit, right? Because you've got too big to fail. So if you go big tribal. Big tribal. Big tribal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe outfit can close out a game by uh, being too big to fail and then making a big fucking deal. Big deal is what? Is it five inch? It is five inch. Yeah, it's five okay. inch. So that's that's a, okay. So that's that's a problem in and of itself. But but like we've all been in that situation where you're like, wow, I am an outfit deck. Literally, no deck can get to four points better than me, and literally every deck can get to seven better than me. Like we've all been in that situation. <laughs> 
right? Right. We so all have that saying. friend, right? We and, all have that friend who gets to four. <laughs> very often on the outfit, you're like, okay, I'm drenched in bad publicity. I have three million credits and I cannot score. You spend 10 influence on big deals. You spend two influence on Ginger City Grid. And then you leave one for God. I guess we solved it. I don't know. Got him. But here's the thing. If you're playing outfit, in an outfit deck, if you're scoring, I'm snoring. Like, I'm sorry. I'm bored. I'm in another tab if we're playing against each other on JNet. Just kill me and be done with it. Is it a one of if you're Asmari or some shit like that? Probably not. But I will almost certainly lose to someone who does that at some point. Here's an idea. Instead of zigging, let's zag. Uh, what if you use big deal out of yellow to score the first remaster and get the train going? Ooh, that's spicy. Do it, and I'm guessing it's Mari because you need the money, but it'd be yeah. cute in Acme too. I, I don't know. It's, it's Mari might be good for that. I, well, I was thinking about like sports putting too big to fail in it. Who did I see? I was. I, I think I too big for sports. Too big for sports. <laughs> too big or go home. <laughs> anyway, my answer is still Drago because I just want to listen. I'm addicted to tagging runners. I don't know how to stop. Well, we're okay. not here to do an intervention. We're not going to make you a better person. Should we just move on to the next order of business? Well, no, no, no. I want to have the last okay. word here. Drago, I have to admit, is probably actually the better card. But I did figure out actually the correct ID for big tribal. Sports medal, obviously. Go big or go home. Then too big to fail, and then big deal. Because you got all the big cards in there. If this was eternal, you can play big brother. Ooh. So the inf spread is what? Three team, three too big to fails and three big brother, because that's a one-inf card. That's 15. And then you could play the full set of big deals out of sports medal. Go big or go home. I think that's the maximum number of big Solved cards it. that you can play. It's, it's yeah. as big as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a few orders of business today. We should, uh, should we get right to it? This was supposed to be a call and response, but Josh is choking on something. The 2022 Continental Championships begin this weekend as of, I mean, yes, not, we should. Not, not this weekend when we're recording it, but this weekend when the episode's going to come out. We're recording this in the past. For all I know, the mega scoops might drop on NRDB between now and then. Obviously. Obviously. There is one segment that's on everyone's mind when they think of Continentals. No, not Akamatsu Memchip. I could have been saying anything. I hadn't even started the word. No, pants. No, bad. I said not Akamatsu Memchip. I had no control over that. It just does that when I said that. Okay, fine. But for the record, it would have been a perfect... Never mind. Okay. Do we have another segment for this? Should we do, uh... uh how about... We must be fucking Nostradamus. See, the thing is, like, having it be this segment just makes our predictions seem bad and stupid, which, actually, that's pretty appropriate, I think. Welcome to We Must Be Fucking Nostradamus where we pose a question that we really want an oracle to answer, but all we have is these three fucking idiots. So, Continentals, who's going to win? My called shot for Intercontinentals is not Jonas. I think he's going to choke. Uh, I, think, I, think Jonas, I think Jonas will make Intercontinentals. I think that he will choke both his Continental, whether it's uh, whichever one it is, and then I think he's going to double choke again in Intercontinentals. That's my called shot. 
Noted friend of the cast, the big unit 3000, Jonas. Oh, Sorry I, about that. I like Jonas. Jonas, nice guy. Great guy. I'd have him over for dinner. He's going to choke. He choked when I have him over for dinner. He's going to choke like, when you have him over for dinner? I'm pretty sure that's called murder. No. Yeah, also, okay, right, I will listen. remind the guest. I will remind the guest. This is not the Who Dat Spicy segment. <laughs> uh, who's going to win? I think Sokka will probably shark another one. I am suspicious of Canada's motives. I think they might try to shark APAC again. Now, I don't know if that's a Canada thing or if that's just white being a psychopath, pulling an all-nighter. He's in college. He can do it. Uh, but I think that Sokka is probably going to make a deep run and probably win. I would guess America's or if he doesn't be yeah, maybe that one. But you, you know who I think is going to win Intercontinentals, who I haven't brought up yet? Go for Ian. it. Ian, Rongi. Rongi's Ooh. going all the way. Rongi's going all the way, baby. He's due. We have a saying for this in baseball when, like, you know, like a home run hitter steps up. He hasn't uh, hit a big one in a while. He's due. Noted god of the grid, Rangi. Yeah, it doesn't count. That wasn't a real tournament. I think he's due for a real one. <laughs> Ouch, man. Ouch. <laughs> well, Sokka won, Sokka won the real one. That's what I'm saying. Sokka is like uh, where good money goes. So that's why I think that Sokka will probably win his continental. But why I don't think that he's the good money to win the whole thing. Because, you know, the good money's not always right. I mean, the good money had Dan on a three-peat for Worlds, so... Admittedly, know. like, the, the good money got pretty close that year. Yeah, it did. It, yeah. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> Actually, he, he yeah. Was, he was a Hades shard away from that being the really good money. Can I call another shot really quick? I think I said that Sokka's going to win his Continental, so he'll make Intercontinentals. He will lose, and here's how he's going to get knocked out of Intercontinentals. The King's going to boom him. Oh, the king is gonna boom him. The king's gonna. <laughs> oh, that'd be epic. That's good. I have That's so good. much game recognized game. I have so much respect. I it's rare that I meet another netrunner player who loves murking runners the way that I, like both of me and the king do. Like we're kindred spirits in that regard. That's really just like the best possible outcome. Hey, um, F, what's your cold shot? This one's tricky because I don't know if they're actually playing continentals. My pick would be Kisra if I knew that they were playing a Continental. Oh, that's a good call. There is enough nefarious bullshit that you can do as the Corp right now that I feel like there is something being cooked up that none of us have any clue about what it is. Their ability to fork as the Corp is so spectacular. If anyone's going to build a fucked up ladder war deck, it's probably Cat. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make my call on Intercontinental's I actually don't have a specific name for Intercontinentals, but Snare Bears generically, I think, are a good place to put the money. That's why I called Ian. I All right. I'll for, pick. Why? Why would you do? We're, we're going to bleep you. Why would? We're, uh, why, we're why, why would you? Why would you put that? In? Cut the feed. Absolutely not letting that opinion stand. That's just complete and utter garbage. Do you have a real pick? Nope, I'm sticking with it. Okay. Oh, fuck. Wow. Fuck. Always double down. down. Jesus. Always double down. I feel like I almost have to pick an NWE someone to hedge the bets of the cast overall. And since that's the smart thing to do, I'm not going to do it. I'm picking the king to win Intercontinentals. NWE is going to make Intercontinentals, but I think that someone from NWE is going to build some like giant galaxy brain object that requires like a fucking crypto mining rig in order to, to actually operate. And it's going to burn out mid game to get a DC and take, and take a match loss. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. On the topic of <laughs> on the topic of crypto mining ob, what's gonna win? So the ob combo decks I think are good, and I think they will get you through Swiss, especially for APAC because everything's mm -hmm. so new. If an ob deck's gonna win, 
any of the Continental, it's going to be APAC. Because what's going to happen is it's going to do well at APAC. It's going to get published on NRDB. And then everyone's going to figure out what dumb shaper card they have to slot in order to beat it just instantaneously. So if Ob's going to win anything, it's APAC. I think that America's will be won by a fast advanced deck because God forbid we drive 55 in America. And then I think that EMEA is going to be stuck in the Stone Age. And by that, I mean 2016. And it's going to be Anarch, exactly uh, Anarch and CTM. Do you want to pick the specific Anarch and the specific CTM? I think it's going to be like a bladderwort CTM. It's going to be some dumb meme that could win on no other continent. Runner deck, I think it's going to be Tagmi Hoshiko. Tagmi Hoshiko. That's a spicy pick. Build the corp deck, and then you play the runner deck that counters your own corp deck. That's one of the things that I was thinking, actually, that is going to win one of the Continentals is a tag me deck. If you think about it, high profile is gone. The tag me decks, if they pop down an early obelisk, right? I mean, from there, you don't really care about your cards. And what are they going to do? Value boom you? At OTG 21, Spags landed three value booms against Chris's Tagme Zaya deck and still managed to lose the game. So Yeah, R- Rip and Peace Spags did not survive landing three value booms and not winning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a triple hell action that just sent him straight to heaven. Sent Spags to hell is what happened there. Ima- imagine yeah. spending six clicks and doing uh, a 21 meat damage and still losing. Spags doesn't have to imagine. He's lived it. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry to have brought damn. it up now. Yeah, that's we, we, we saying, might like, have to put a content warning in this one for Spags. I'm just saying, those tag decks, I think that they're good. Did the tag decks the... lose anything? Like, did they lose anything no. really big? Oh, no. not really. Oh, interesting. Um, so you still have Credit Kiting. You still have Hot Pursuit. You still have Zaya is still a good shell for it. Um, still have Abelis. Rogue Trading. So I do think that it's a distinct possibility that a Tag Me deck takes one of these down. CTM seems like a solid call, especially for Europe. So I agree there. I don't think that there's going to be an object that's going to win one of these. I don't think it's figured out. And I don't know if there's a sacrifice train that's powerful enough quite yet. I would guess the non CTM stuff would be, like you said, like a fast advance, probably out of sports. I don't know. Maybe that 4 2 that draws you cards slots into it and that midnight 420 uh arcology what did cpz call that card a ci at home yeah you don't have to discard at the end of turn either maybe maybe an all gas pd like something hb that's either rushy or fast advance i don't know i think it's possible that you could see like a panic ag deck of some sort god fucking damn it josh quit stealing my picks let's see uh runner side other than the tag me deck i actually saw somebody doing a pretty fucking wild isa deck Rather than trying to mill the corp to the ground, what you do is kind of that classic noise thing where you're playing normal Netrunner, like you're trying to get into their remote, you're trying to get into their hand when you need to. Once you want to try to scoop the game, you go and hit archives. I think that if it's rich and fast advance, a deck like that could win because it could knock key pieces out of the corpse hand while they're trying to save agendas. Or they dump just enough agendas and archives. You know, they just can't keep up with the sabotage triggers. I, I see don't know. your point. I'm not convinced. That yeah. makes, it actually makes me wonder if freedom is good. Because think about it. What now costs influence that didn't cost influence before? Cyberdex virus suite. I don't. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see corpse getting greedy and cut and not playing the virus because they don't want to spend the influence for it. 
I don't think it's necessarily any new cards that are going to make that ID good. I don't even, I don't think Augustina is like worth it. I just think it's a, a natural shift because like if you don't spend one or two influence on the virus, then freedom's going to have its way with you. So that's something that I'd be considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing, is there a PE list that could be a dark horse? Because PE is legal again. I just, I don't think I see PE winning. Some psycho is going to get like Bubble Boy. With <laughs> okay, the or, last deck. Or, 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 that's possible winning on runner side that I'm going to call is Rake Krim with deep dive. Oh, it's yeah. Basics yeah. net runner. Yeah. yeah. It's basics net runner. All you do is you wait for them to score the agendas. You snipe them when you need to snipe them. And then you just close out with deep dive and deep dive. I don't know if you know this, but deep dive is actually kind of a fucked up card. Especially when there's no net damage. Of course. If, if it's never yeah. any yeah. threat of getting knocked out of your hand, it's really good. Sable, I, I think, is a really good deck for that, but I think that you could also see it out of Steve or Ken. So if I have to pick like specific IDs to call my you shots do. here. You do. Yeah, we're, we're calling okay. for each event here. I think CTM takes the last one. Sports takes the center one. Panic Ag takes the first one. And then Ray Krim, maybe the first one. Freedom might take America's. And then I think the last one, you might see a tag me deck win. My final answer is for each each continental. APAC is going to be Padma Ob. I think it's going to be Zoomer mm-hmm. Zoomer mm-hmm. decks because I think Shaper is the best ability. It pains me to say it. I think Shaper has the best ability to survive bullshit right now. Shaper just has the best spread of cards to just avoid like dying to dumb bullshit. There's an Ob combo deck that some psychopath has found out that no mm-hmm. one else knows about. So I think I think Padma Ob. I'm not sold on Padma. I think it could be Woo, but it's going to be Shaper and Ob. America, it's going to be Red I agree with Josh. I think Red Crim's a great shout. America mm-hmm. has a long history of loving bad criminal decks. So Red Crim and I'm going to go sports because, again, America, uh, football season, right around the corner, go Steelers. And then Mia is going to be Tagme Hosh and CTM. I'm going to go in reverse order here. I'm going to start with Mia. I, I agree with y'all in one way, which is it's going to be standard stuff. On the runner side, to me, that is Red Crim. It's the deck that you forgot to submit a deck list and they were like, oh, it's fine. We just gave you this. On the corpse side, I, I fully believe that what's going to happen is someone's going to roll out of bed the morning of the tournament, realize they forgot to submit a deck list, grab one from four years ago. It's an ag list, submit it, and that's going to win. That person's um, name? Swifty. I'm calling ag and reg crim. I'm going to be specific and say Steve for EMEA. For the American championships, definitely sports. Nothing's going to beat sports. The American continents love not having to put any thought whatsoever into playing corpse. So it's got to be sports. And on the runner side, I think it's going to be someone who's a little tuned to beat sports. I'm going to say freedom. And then for APAC, it's going to be a Drago deck. It's going to be a Drago deck. I'm going to say R plus. And I love that. on the runner side, I think I have to go with Padma. The boat's going to boat. I think in that Fuck, pick, that last pick that sucks. Had, I think then the last pick, you simultaneously had the coldest take and the spiciest take. It's it's like a hot take crema, you know? That take only sucks because it involves a world where Shaper wins. But I mean, R plus is a pretty spicy take. I love. I would love R plus winning. Honestly, I, I just went with R plus because this is a spicy way to include Drago and it probably has something a little bit off the beaten path that people aren't ready for. On the note of off the beaten path though, should we talk about off meta decks, weird decks, decks that are maybe like tier 1.5 or two that we think have a chance to go far and potentially if the stars align, actually win. I kind of already called that a little bit with the tag me. I mean, yeah, people are, yeah. I haven't seen really any chatter online about tag me, but I think Josh brought it up. It lost nothing. 
it's exactly as good as it was. And I think the other beautiful thing about Tag Me is you could play it out of Anarch or Criminal. Because mm-hmm. uh, we, are, we are, exactly, we already know Tag Me Zio works. I mean, Chris McClendon proved that. It's better, by the way. In Criminal? Tag Me oh, in better. general is better because there's no high, high profile anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It yes, didn't lose anything, but Corpse lost things against it. Yeah, I was going to bring yeah. that up because, like, you have to go through, like, a series of gyrations to have a shot at killing those fuckers. Like, you got to both shoot their obelisks, and then also you got to bust through dummy box if they play that thing, too. Uh, <laughs> and then you still have to, like, actually kill them while also praying that they don't have another obelisk in hand or just they just win immediately. So, yeah, but you can play it out of Zaya or like you could probably play it out of Sable, too, if you wanted. You can also just play it out of Anarch because then you get three counter surveillance and God of War and Obelisk for free. So mm-hmm. you get to splash for probably rogue trading and dummy box. And like, what is it? Yeah, it's probably three dummy box, three rogue trading, three deuces and Bob's your uncle. I know it's yeah. a mediocre card that helps people who are not playing well play better. But pinhole threading also does solve some of your problems, doesn't it? Especially if you win with it because it solves the problem of white having the moral high ground over you once again very correct not going to argue with you at all they're going to let him in the courtroom do you understand that like he's going to say that that is not decided yet he has not been let in yet is is the canadian legal system just a joke or like what's going on like am i being like am i being punked what's happening anyway uh separate conversation what's (laughs) what's stupid on corpse side i don't know man i brought it up briefly but like bladder war i think the bladder war decks are maybe good it depends on what happens on the runner's side. If the runner's side meta shakes out where Krim blows and no one's playing Mistbones, that deck's really hard to beat because you have so many ways of just fucking with the runner. It's such an insult. It's such a colossal insult to have your opponent res Amani Sinai and then score Artificial Crypto Crash. To quote CTC, it's just such a dick slap of a move that, like, I don't know how anyone could ever come back from that. Especially if they bounce your boat. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Lose seven, bounce your boat, pass priority. Have fun, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I mean, if anyone should be loving these Bladder War decks, it's it's you, Josh, because the yellow ones play Orbital Superiority. Oh, God, do they? They do. It's, really a, it's, it's a backup win. It's a backup win con. That's fucking awesome. What? Because because like if they get poor, they start holding tags. You just you can just like never advance okay. it with seedlesses. What the fuck is in this yellow bladder war deck? Is this out of Provdivost? No, it's out of. Uh, I saw it out of NEH. Um, I think I think it's Coder, yeah. I think Cody from the Bay Area posted it. Well, bladder war takes two influence, right? So like it's, it, it's two yeah. in. So the inf spread was like that. There's a couple of Malias. There's a boom in there. Like, what? Uh, the there's fuck two is seamless launch. Doing? I mean, Bladderwort's uh, already pretty fire out of NEH because, like, it is a one cost pad campaign. Yeah. That's already good. I was toying with it in CTM a little bit, but there's not enough influence to make it mm-hmm. work. But NEH is inspired because, like, I mean, you just get five more of that. And just the ping is just like a different way to tax. It's a bioethics that you can ice. But you're not normally killing with it, right? No, the goal of the deck is just to piss off the runner until they fuck up. That's, so that's basically that, that's, what you're doing. That's your win con. Your win con is like is is just trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any deck that is playing orbital superiority has to be a troll. Wow, that's a, that's another deck you were talking about, like a deck where the stars align. So Andre was playing this Provdivost NAPD Cordon deck. 
Oh, <laughs> it was it was not oh, tuned. That's, that's rude, oh, dude. This run. deck. I'll put another counter on this thing. Cost yep. me you'll have dude, fun, dude. So so here's here's your agendas. Your agendas are fucking. Bologna. They're either yeah, they're Bologna, Offworld, oh. Office, and Artificial uh, Crypto Crash, right? Oh, so, so everything's a credit swing. Everything's a credit swing, oh. right? <laughs> and what oh. you're what you're looking to do? Put down an NAPD cordon, install advance your agenda, and pass turn. And if they run, it becomes even more expensive to steal that agenda on top of what it already costs. And if they don't run, you're going to either gain money or take their credits anyway. In addition to NAPD cordon, it plays seamless. You have the minimum invested in the agenda that you need to. Uh, even without ice, NAPD cordon makes Bologna cost, with the prov counter, 13 to steal. Correct. That sounds right, yeah. If you advance it. So yeah, yeah. So, so if you it's... install advanced cordon gives you they run you get the counter you have two counters so it's four for cordon four for counters five for bologna that's 13 and that's without correct. Any ice correct that's kind so, of fucking sick here's the thing the sick tech in this might be what andre wasn't running because guess what it's weak to light the fire or imp he was spending four influence on mitosis for the stars to align, for the stars to align, so you could score two agendas, right? Pulls out the game go clicks one and two, mitosis, click three, cordon, go. Yeah, so, <laughs> so here's the thing mitosis is four influence. You're just going to drop it for border controls. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not true. Or, or just like so, archive memories to get more cordons. You want like a one or two X of border control in there and then put it on your remote. And like, what are you weak to now? You're not weak to light the fire anymore. I don't know. Maybe you're still weak to imp if they can break your ice cheaply. I mean, that's about it. Can I say some words I've never said before in my entire 30-year-old existence? Hit me. I miss film critic. <laughs> <laughs> Whistleblower is what you're weak to. That's the tech card. Okay, but it doesn't turn off Corden. Oh, you're right. Direct access is the is is the employee strike. Uh, yeah, direct access yeah. is employee strike at home. Whistleblower is film critic at home. Also, you got to guess the right one. I forgot about that. You got to call it in the air. And it still costs influence. Nobody's going to play fucking whistleblower. I mean, it come on. Two dude. In a world where that deck's really good, deck's you line. might. NBN without doing CTM things or taggy things is basically fine. But that's all it is, is fine. If you don't get the cards in the right order in this Provdivos deck, it's rough. There are reasons it's off. Yeah. I think my pick for like an off-meta deck, and you actually mentioned this cranked, is PE. I fully believe that some PEs are going to squeak through Swiss. Unless decks are extremely tuned, I don't believe that they're really in a threat to win. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I just don't know like how how are PE decks winning? Because they can't grind out. Regenesis, probably. I guess it's Regenesis or like, yeah, I don't like, I think that's the only way it's like random Regenesis, but yeah. Well, and, um, like people will still hit snares in round one, right? Like, that, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm like, how do you win against like a player who knows what they're doing? Yeah, how do you win against a player who knows what you're doing? I mean, you have to rely on them not having enough stuff to clear your board, so you can potentially sneak a few bladder warts into play after they hit like a sting or something like that. Yeah, I think Moonpool sucks. Like, there's way too many stars that have to align to make that card good. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, what did Jinteki as a faction actually get that's going to push something that they do over the edge? Uh, Moonpool, like, looks appealing until you realize, like, how many things you have to have that line up in order to make that work. And I think that Regenesis is just, like, the only downside of Regenesis is it kind of fucks up your agenda suite because you have to play a 3-1. 
Yeah. Um, but that's not that big a deal because like in PE, that's actually okay. Yeah. Exactly. In PE, you're fine because you're already you already want to be on three ones and Obukata. So that doesn't matter. What did Jinteki get that potentially helps? It helps and it hurts. But blood in the water makes those turns where like your opponent made a small mistake. It makes those turns a lot more powerful because you potentially get a two-two. Yeah, blood in the water is basically just like neural EMP with two points stapled to it, like some of well, the time. It, it makes it a lot more realistic for PE to actually score out, I think, is what it really does. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Blood in the water is fine. It's certainly the most interesting card I think they got during this pack for a Jinteki deck. I like Bladderwort yeah. more, but I don't think that's really a Jinteki card. I think that other factions are going to utilize that better, at least right now. Jinteki also I, got Mitosis, which is like the new Mushin-ish thing. I don't know if I see that. It's okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it works with NGO, which I think is is good, but it's it's a double and it costs money. Uh, yeah, which is that's the real problem. Not yeah. nothing. You know, in the same way that Mushin used to, it potentially sets you up in positions where you can make it slightly easier for the runner to make one of those small mistakes, which then lets you like score a blood in the water or score a regenesis or something like that. I think that if Anemone hadn't come out in the pack, uh, then I would probably be a little higher on PE or just like the net damage deck in general. But right now, like because we've already played against that card for a couple months, we've already all fucked up and died yeah. already. Yeah. Because we ran with one card. Oops, gotcha. I don't think Anemone is going to be it. So yeah, I'm just skeptical as to like what, what did Jinteki get that's going to push them over the edge other than people forgetting how to play against PE. That's like the best argument for it is people yeah. forgot how to play against PE. They forgot about Dre and then they're going to get fucking regenesis into the grave. This is kind of a correct take, but also I think that's why it's maybe the tier 1.5 is like, you know, if the stars do align on some of these cards, they're not bad. You can see a situation where it could have this weird tempo effect and your blood in the waters do get easier to score you're able to kind of leverage that more than Jinteki classically could? It probably it, it probably beats enough good players enough of the time for some of these decks to make a cut and potentially yeah. even win a game or two in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think it does that enough to win. Now, I'll be honest, yeah. Josh, I'm surprised. We've been talking about off-meta decks that we, we think can make it far. I am utterly shocked not to have heard the words outfit out of your mouth. Oh, no, outfit sucks right now. It's terrible. <laughs> Was losing dedication so, that big? No, no. Well, yes. There's people that are fucking around with fake Titan. All it is is just it's just an outfit that fast advances and goes super fast. Because let's be real, outfit with too big to fail, which is its real ID ability, is pretty fucked up. Like I was telling you when we were talking about Big Tribal, it's the one deck I can think of that can realistically get to like 19 credits, like turn two. I mean, I don't think it's a good deck. I, I think that it wins games just because you kind of oops sometimes into seven points. Turn one, too big to fail, Ice HQ, government subsidy. Turn two, score hostile. I was going to say three, score. I was going to say score as of trash the HQ ice and play yourself. Then turn three, you like what? Install advance, big deal. And then turn four, you install advance audacity. Wayland has cards to go fast and like outfit goes fast, but I just don't, I don't know. I haven't seen an outfit deck that convinces me. Michael and I are commentating uh, American Continentals as, as well as I think Intercontinentals. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get sick of these decks real soon. <laughs> uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get to um, see up close and personal how bad our takes are. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm going to call my shot and like watch my shot get fucked up in real time. Uh, in like bad. round two. Yeah. It's like, all right, round two, submarine strats now. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Another deck, I didn't put it as one of the winners for a reason because I'm still not convinced 
just how good it is. But I'm also somewhat convinced that I am sweeping on Omar. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Omar's effect is so powerful, and you are not able to rebirth into it anymore. Maybe the fair Anarch deck actually should be out of Omar instead of Hoshiko right now, just because Omar's ability is so strong. That's been my problem with Anarch right now in general is like, I feel like it's just too fair. Yeah. Like you're, you're playing, the problem is you're playing a game of Netrunner and like, that's not necessarily what wins you games right now. Cause people are figuring out, I think once the meta crystallizes a little bit more and people have kind of like figured out what bullshit they need to account for, then you can play a fair. Deck. Yeah. I think, um, I think you're right. Yeah. So maybe by the time like India rolls around, you can play a fair deck like with these dumb ob decks around the game and people have figured out that assets actually kind of suck now that Mumbad rotated, which pains me, by the way. So I, I think there's probably a point when you can play a fair deck. I just don't know that it's now when people are fucking breaking your ice with a boat and a boomerang and, and not spending any money ever. <laughs> Our man Freedom does have uh, Botulai, though. That's one of the reasons to play Freedom right now, yeah. Twinning, yeah. twinning says you have to spend credits on cards, right? Not correct. counters. You, okay. Correct. Yeah, you can't charge twinning with the botulus. If you could, that Fuck. would be a big buff to freedom, I think. Yeah, I was like, that's, oh shit, yeah. I think I solved it. <laughs> but I mean, actually, that's another reason that like raid Krim out of Sable might be pretty good is because another alternative to deep dive, just playing a couple of coffees, charging up your twinning. That's so, so slow, like, though. Yeah, I'd rather just play Apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, it's four credits per turn, though. And that's slow, though. The thing is, you get crunched on MU because, like, yeah, that is big. There's no good console that you can play. Plus there's no MU. Hold on. Uh, have you heard of a console that has two MU? It only uh, costs. You're talking about credits. Maui, right? You're talking about Maui, right? God, there are so many bad consoles in Crim. It used to be worse because your options were like, huh. Do I play like doppelganger or like boxy or do I just fucking like double down on Desperado again? Hmm. Do do I play the best (laughs) console in the game or one of like the five worst? (laughs) Like they kept trying. Hey man, they kept trying to make doppelganger. You know who loved doppelganger more than anybody? John D'Alessandri. Yes. John John (laughs) D'Alessandri loves that card. I'll I'll complete. I played, I played boxy in a deck before. Uh, so it's a perfectly serviceable card if you need those effects. Uh, Listen, sure. I played, That's a good I word played for it, once. Never again. All right, well, we're completely off the rails on yeah, should we, should, Okay, think... yeah. Let, let, let me ask the last <laughs> question about Continentals here, which is the most important question, obviously, which is what do you expect to be... And, and actually, Cranked, we might already have your answer. We're going to ask you to give a different answer on this. What do you expect to be the biggest skateboard trick pulled off in a game that has real consequences? What do you think my answer is going to be? I thought your answer was going to be booming sock out of intercontinentals. Like, oh yeah, but that's like that's not a skateboard trick to me. That's just like that's that's Babe Ruth pointing his bat towards the outfield. Like that's okay. Just that's, a cool fair. Thing. that's fair. It's not really. I don't. It's not what I consider. I, a skateboard I, I, trick. I, did they even have skateboards when Babe Ruth was around? <laughs> like, uh, I think I think my answer for what's the biggest skateboard trick? It's going to involve getting extra clicks and playing mutually assured destruction. Uh, but it's not going to be getting extra clicks the way you think you're going to be getting extra clicks. It's going to be like double biotic, mutually assured destruction, boom. I think I think that's what it is. Because that's like not even really that hard necessarily. It's a lot of cards in the same hand. It's a, that's, that's the hardest thing about it is you have to, in, in a game where you only get to hold five cards, four of them have to be exactly perfect. Josh, do you have an answer here? I think somebody's going to do something with Into the Depths. I think it's going to be something like they get to four, 
And it's against like this Prov DeVos deck. 13 credits to steal a Bologna into the depths of the server, break some ice with some Shaper bullshit, use Into the Depths to install an Imp, and then scoop it the next turn. Do you one better with Into the Depths? It's Into the Depths R&D, successful run, gain four, search your deck for Niashia, charge Niashia, <laughs> access to rip six points, win the game. There you go. All right, that's, all right, maybe. skateboard yeah, yeah, yeah. trick. You don't even you don't need even to charge need on Niashia. You yeah. just search for Niashia. You just charge the Shomu's boss, really. Just to assert dominance, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could do this more if I wanted to. I could do this more. Wait, wait, wait. Somebody's going to play three backroom machinations to close out a game. <laughs> Here, here's Triple hell better. action. I'll do you one better. Here's the winning. Here's going to be the winning agenda spread. Like what's in the score area uh, for the deck that wins that game. It's going to be three copies of backroom machinations and two copies of Escalade Vitriol. <laughs> one send a message, one echo chamber and three backroom machinations. I have a funny picture with Escalade Vitriol. I have to see if I can find it in my JNet salt folder. It's extremely funny and it involves Joe Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and read this for the class. Mana Dog started their turn 15 with 32 credits and five cards in HQ. Mana Dog spends click to use Escalate Vitriol to gain 21 credits. Mana Dog spends click and two credits to install Ice Protecting R&D. Joe Shup, former world champ. My God, that's a quick ability. Thought it was one-time use. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so good. I'm so glad I caught that. <laughs> Go directly to where? To triple hell, you say. All right, well, I think the takeaway from this segment is that Intercontinentals is going to be fucked, and then so yeah. are we by extension. It's going to lead us into a mature age like fine wine worlds. Not if Europe wins worlds. Nothing good can come of that. Should we maybe get into something that our competitors have kind of cornered the, the market on? Should we talk politics? I don't know. What do you think, Grant? Politics sure are. What, uh, what segment should we use for that, Josh? I don't know. Uh, they've been in the news lately over the last couple of years in, in a bad light. And in politics, has been bad. A cab and all. So we could maybe go with. Josh, are you fucking kidding me? In front of Cranked? In front of God and everybody? In front of Cranked, you try to pull this bullshit? Honestly, I I'm just going to be straight with you right now. I don't think there is a single Byroid I would consider even slightly worthy of being the segment name in front of Cranked. What about Fairchild 3.0? Yeah, fuck it, ship it. Fairchild 3.0. Also, uh, before we actually do get into this segment, I would like to say these are personal views. They are not necessarily reflective of any organizations that the three of us are a part of. Please consider that moving forward. This week on Fair and Balanced TMRC Child 3.0, we're going to be talking about politics. Specifically, kind of why we want to talk about this is it maybe has been getting into the genre of cyberpunk too much. An open letter uh, about this particular pressing issue has brought this to light. A genre classically free of 
any questions about humanity and transhumanism, what it means to be human, what it means to treat each other okay, has been invaded by the woke moralists. Don't you just hate it when they make cyberpunk political? So I'd like to ask both of you, in light of this, uh, what is your favorite completely non-political piece of cyberpunk media, and what is it about? I think for me, it has to be Disco Elysium. It's a wonderful game about a murder investigation carried out by two uh, completely non-political state-appointed police officers. They're looking into the killing of a union member, a a non-political union member, and it becomes clear through the course of the game that the city that they live in was through the course of history invaded by external forces due to like the governmental makeup of the city, not the politics, of course, just the way that the government was made up, the people in it and the, the things that they stood for. And as the game progresses, you meet ideological leaders of not political, ideological leaders of the factions who who discuss things that are not related to politics like money and power and how those things are related to your job and this particular killing and the implications that this political sorry that this killing has on the people who live in this area and the ways that they are allowed to have jobs express power and non-politically associate there's even a point where one of the people hired by the company that runs the factory and also controls the lives of its workers in a non-political way someone who hired by that company to be a security guard is literally in a mob of protesters who are protesting the union for non-politically shutting down the factory and not allowing anyone to work, non-politically screaming right to work, which is a phrase that in the real world has been non-politically used in many states to shut down unions. So it's really, it's a very non-political game, as you can tell. Great though. It's fantastic. I'm going to have to check that one out. It's it's genuinely really fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, no, no, I mean, I don't have to check it out. I've already, I've already played that game. It's fantastic. Craig, what do you think? My choice for non-political cyberpunk media is the album Year Zero by Nine Inch Nails. Probably my favorite Nine Inch Nails album and probably one of my favorite albums ever. It's a concept album about a a totally theoretical future state for the United States where the United States suffers a bunch of terrorist attacks on major cities and the government grants itself emergency powers, seizes control of the country, and then partners with a pharma company to start drugging the water supply with a psychoactive drug that will basically uh, sedate the, the masses, Make them love authority and uh, reduce their aggression. Uh, and then simultaneously, the United States becomes a fundamentalist Christian theocracy. The government starts bankrolling a evangelical church to basically act as a, a pseudo law enforcement agency. Amidst all of this happening, uh, denizens of the United States start seeing a, a pair, uh, something they call the presence, which is uh, like a massive pair of ghostly hands and arms that come down from the sky and basically fuck, fuck up everybody that it touches and almost restores them to some semblance of, of reality. Uh, it was really, really uh, influential when it came out in 07 because there was a massive alternate reality game that launched with this thing really ahead of its time. And people were finding like USB flash drives at live shows with <laughs> unreleased media where if you ran it through a spectrogram, you'd get a phone number to call. That phone number would direct you to a payphone in Los Angeles. That payphone in Los Angeles would direct you to a, a concert venue where Nine Inch Nails would play a show and then also get that concert shut down by the in-universe secret police, basically clearly has nothing to do with the Bush administration that it came out during. Oh, it's no, a purely theoretical piece of piece of media. And there's really no deeper message that one should take from from any piece of it. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a great non-political choice. Josh, do you, do you have a pick here? Take one that the edgelords really like. Cyberpunk 2077. Interesting. Um, 
This game where many government institutions have crumbled and eroded uh, non-politically in Night City, it's taken over by various factions, both corporate interests and gangs that exercise power around the city non-politically. And there are questions that come up about, you know, treatment of uh, workers non-politically, particularly there's a very long middle section of the game where you do go into a brothel and there are moral but non-political questions about the nature of sex work. Also, what it means to be a sex worker and either have this career forced upon you or choosing it, both non-politically. I won't say that it's the best form of media that displays uh, all of these questions, but it does touch on work and, and in particular sex work as well. If I can pick a second, I think let's go back to one of the all-time classics, right? Blade Runner. Completely non-political movie. Yeah, no no deeper messages to be taken there. I, I mean, all you have is a, a great, straightforward story about a group of sentient humanoid people who are explicitly designed with a short lifespan so that they are not able to revolt, who are in the process of revolting anyway, and who come to Earth to exact, you might say revenge, but that's a little bit political. Let's just say that they have some questions for the people who made them in an attempt to basically, you know, extend their lifespans. And despite the fact that time and time again, it is shown that their only real quarrel is with the executives at this company who made them. The police, like the actual straight up police are brought in by that company to track these sentient humanoids down and kill them. It's a completely wonderful non-political story. Yeah. And noteworthy about Blade Runner, uh, definitely nailed the edit on the first try. Yeah, yeah. Only only took one. I can't mm-hmm. believe they didn't have to go back and re-edit and cut that one back together. Judicious <laughs> cutting of the feed. <laughs> all right, you know, we, all right. We, we were I'm... going through all of this, like, tongue-in-cheek so well, but, like, the the... the... <laughs> Pretending that the first Blade Runner edit was competent, like that broke me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting a little bit uh, tired of the bit anyway. Like clearly, real talk, TMRC. Cyberpunk is an inherently political genre. I don't understand this whole open letter thing going back to that. My dude, whoever you are, I don't know how you noticed this about this game that has existed for 10 whole years or the genre. If you look at the body of work of cyberpunk, you look at the original game, the genre's name is based on, you look at some of the founding novels like Neuromancer, some of the founding works like Blade Runner, really the the genre of cyberpunk since its, its inception, and you can go back prior to cyberpunk, you can talk about things like steampunk or like Victorian era forward-looking fantasy. Or, or hell, just early sci-fi. But it's particularly cyberpunk has been focused on the nature of oppression. Not only the nature of oppression, but also like the nature of what it means to be human. Do we ascend beyond our oppressed forms when the barriers of oppression can be broken down by technology? If technology advances and and we can't escape our current forms, are we oppressed even harder? What does it mean once we once we have robots or clones that can think? What does it mean for them to be human? Are they human? Are they not human? Can you oppress something that's not human? These are all questions that cyberpunk asks. And honestly, specifically Netrunner asks. The thing that gets me about some open letter about making Netrunner political, could you please give me the background of the runner, Adam? Could you please give me the background of the corporation, Grindel? 
there's legitimate criticism that one could levy at both Nisei and FFG about the specific of their storytelling, but lobbying complaints that they're getting too political is not really have a lot of critical edge to it to me. It doesn't really hold a lot of water. Fucking for all its faults, even Billy Idol, Billy fucking Idol, when he wrote that cyberpunk album in 1993, fucking tried to say something about like the LA riots and it was clumsy and he didn't really stick the landing. But like, even if Billy Idol has the, the fucking critical edge on you, my dude, I don't know what to tell you. You bring this up. There are legitimate criticisms. I kind of want to ask the question here. Cyberpunk being an inherently political genre and Netrunner residing in this inherently political genre. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think it's been a good thing for Netrunner? Uh, I think it's fine. I don't know that I can really fairly say if it's good or bad. It just is a thing. To your point, like it just is a, I think it just comes with the territory. Cyberpunk is a genre where you can try as hard as you want to come at it from an apolitical angle. And maybe you can write something or create something in that space with full and uh, genuine intention to stay out of a political lane. But just by very nature of the genre, you're probably going to end up saying something whether you expect it to or not. Even if you are just coming at it from like a, oh, gritty future is cool angle, you're going to still be like putting, you're still putting something of yourself into that work. I can't think of a single, a single example in the genre that is anywhere close to apolitical and also interesting. Any any sci-fi, like like forward-looking sci-fi that has steered clear of any questions about like what we're talking about, like the nature of being human or the nature of oppression or or things like that. They're pretty toothless. And I think to give it any sort of weight, like you have to dig into a question that's interesting. A question that doesn't have any capacity to offend or piss anybody off isn't really a question that's worth asking. I think that leaning in to the nature of cyberpunk being more overt about the inherent tensions in cyberpunk and who benefits from new technology and what capital does to technology and how it exploits labor and tech, I do think that that has made the game better. Well, it made the story of the game better. I think that there are a couple of like fair criticisms to FFG taking things that are real historical events and like using them as allegories in the game. There's literally a card in the Mumbad cycle that goes into the nature of oppressing what are called androids in universe and clones are also considered androids in their universe. And they literally have a card that says clones are not people. So it's it's very overtly telling you yeah, they're all slaves. If you're not tuned into like the the the, yeah. like the the plot in that cycle, then like yeah, it's really on. It's it's really on the nose in general, but like it's especially on the nose if you're not tuned into the specific plot line in Mumbad. I'm glad you brought up Disco Elysium because Disco Elysium does this really well. Disco Elysium makes fun of the absurdity of anti-capital. They basically say that any pure ideological system, whether it's capitalism, communism, um, it's a political system or a monetary system, is hilarious and inherently absurd because there are absolutely absurdities in pure versions of those ideologies. The creators of Disco Elysium, I swear to God, they are communists. Like there is no way that they're not. So they they have they, to be right. They absolutely they have pound to be. on fascism so hard too in that game. Right, like all of the communists and social, like you know, like the showing the absurdity there. It feels very good natured, very tongue in cheek. Yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the like all of the showing absurdity and fascism in that game 
is showing you the absolute barren wasteland that that ideology is. One of the absurdities that they point out in communist movements is the perfect utopia of communism is is completely unattainable. So the perfect utopia of communism is moneyless, classless, stateless. And what they're pointing out is, well, when you have creatures that are driven by base needs and you can't fill all the base needs of all the creatures that you have, there is naturally going to be some sort of stratification. Well, not naturally. Naturally is the wrong word because hierarchies aren't necessarily natural. Let's not go into lobsters here. But <laughs> hey, up yours. Con- consider the lobster. <laughs> especially in something that starts from capitalism and is that system already where you already have a division of resources, money, power. It is unrealistic and it's absurd, especially in a generation, which is what the revolution in that game is trying to do, that you're going to be able to change that. You're going to be able to eliminate all of it. They do it in one of the funniest ways possible too, I think. Yeah. You meet some socialists, some hardcore socialist thinkers in that game. Yeah. And like the, the textbooks that you're reading are things like... Well, yeah, like it, it is it is scientifically true that if you live in a communist state, then turnips are larger, incontrovertibly scientifically true. If the people in the land that produces the turnips truly believe in socialism well enough, you will produce larger turnips. It's fucking hilarious. My only major complaint that I believe that I'd be levying at Mise as far as their storytelling is I feel like too often it devolves into runner good court bad. Mm -hmm. It's a little too simplistic for me, for my particular tastes. But the caveat on that is A, those are my particular viewpoints. And B, that's not a cyberpunk problem. That's a Netrunner problem. That's not a a complaint I can, I'm, I'm comfortable levying at the whole genre. It's really just in this one particular instance. It's not really an indictment of anything. It also doesn't really ruin anything for me. I want more runners who are absolute bastards. Yeah, we don't really get those anymore. <laughs> like, I mean, even even just like Human First, like had some pretty fucking dark implications to it. Oh, yeah. Most of Ed Kim and like the, the cards surrounding him are, but again, that's a solvable problem. And it's not a cyberpunk problem. It's a Netrunner specific problem right now. Mm. And it doesn't really take away from the, the from the core point, which is when you make art, you're saying something, whether you intend to or not. You can write something with the intention of saying one thing, but your audience will interpret it a completely different way. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not really a bug. It's a feature. Josh, the points you brought up made me think of to actually make interesting art in this genre. It helps to lean into the political aspects. I think it brings up a quote from Terry Pratchett that I, I love. Terry Pratchett also wrote fantasy stories, wrote hilarious, farcical comedy fantasy stories that are intensely political and intensely anti-fascist. Intensely uh, anti-capitalist, too. Yeah. And the man said, it's not really worth doing something if someone somewhere isn't very pissed off that you're doing it. Ideally, you know, a fascist. Yeah, it sucks that that cuts both ways. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's such a a good quote when a good person says it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, Josh, do you think that's enough of the woke moralist corner for today? Yeah, I think so. We don't need to make this an all-politics episode. I agree. We, we should probably discuss something that's a lot less political, which is conflict between nation-states. Wait, fuck. Isn't, isn't this a, a beef thing? Didn't, didn't we already use the beef zone? Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. We already used the beef zone in an episode where there's beef with an entire sovereign nation? It's okay. It's okay, Josh. Worry not. I have a solution. I've ordered a lot of pizza from Pizza Hut over the years. All we need to do to take one step up from one meat 
is go to the meat lovers zone. The meat lovers zone. This week on the meat lovers zone, which no, I will not consider rewording. We are here to declare our beef with the UK. Uh, are we declaring our beef or our meat? Let's move on. Anyway, one of those sounds uh, weird. Anyway, the country or the selection? I'm not super picky. Fuck them both. Hot damn. With a side of who that's spicy. We're talking about the UK. They don't know what spicy is. That's the problem, Josh. <laughs> God, Crank's getting right into it. <laughs> they well, we, the we, we can... they look at the side Fernandos, all right? Like, they don't have any clue. Oh, that black pepper there. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Midwest thing, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, that is that is the farthest from a British accent anyone's been this episode. Why are we declaring beef with the UK? What prompted this, other than, you know, the UK being the UK? I'm sure that's a question that many people in the audience are asking themselves right now. And really, to, to explain that, we have to discuss Scoopsgate. Scoopsgate. Yes, Scoopsgate. So recently, in fact, the most recent episode that the Slumscast put out, the Slumscast scooped some cards. A couple good cards, a couple cards that are already being slotted in decks, a uh, couple cards that are not being slotted in decks yet. But, you know, we, we scooped some cards. We had some cards on the cast that we were revealing to the world for the first time. And the exact way that we scooped those cards pissed a fucking lot of people off. <laughs> if you listen to the episode, you remember how it happened. We had the scoops at the end of the episode. We don't really do show notes with timestamps, so we didn't have like a timestamp to tell you, oh, here, jump to here to hear the scoops. And in addition, instead of releasing a card image gallery that had the full text of the cards right away, we said, hey, we'll do that in 24 hours-ish. The actual amount of time ended up being shorter because they were featured on the spoiler stream that afternoon. But initially we said, it'll be about 24 hours before we release these. In the meantime, enjoy the art from them. Enjoy these excellent drill edits of the posts, of the cards rather. Go for it. The UK channel was not very happy with us for doing that, were they, Josh? No, they were not. In fact, they started talking about comparisons of us and other casts and streams of the game. There are other casts or streams? Don't believe it. It's not true. Yeah, I've never seen them. Can't be real. These theoretical, non-political casts and streams. I'm pulling up the receipts right now. I had to screenshot a few things just because it was... It was honestly very, very funny. <laughs> Were they DMing you saying, please, sir, may, may I have some scoops? Actually, no, it, it was funnier. In the channel, there were people who were saying, get Jono in the scoops binds. I, I guess Jono is a person who usually listens to the podcast and like finds the scoops and posts them in that channel. But I thought you were going to stop, but I thought Jono was a person, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. no. This is some Not what guy. I was going to say. No. <laughs> just some fucking guy. We, we have some people complaining about the length of the podcast. Like, wait, this is a two-hour podcast? What the Oh, fuck? no. Oh, Oh, I have to listen to a podcast during my workday? Oh, no. Oh, no. They had a conversation with the designer on the, the game, and I have to hear insightful commentary on the cards? Oh, I was going to spend my time laboring to improve my capitalist society. Oh, that sucks. Ah, oh, whatever will I do? I definitely won't commit time theft against my employer. This culminated in, I think, my favorite response we received this entire, I would say, 10, 20 minutes after the episode dropped. Former world champ Chris Dyer. <sighs> Someone wake me up once we have the text then. Chris, it doesn't matter. You're not going to play these cards in your 2016 CTM deck. It doesn't matter. 
go back to bed. <laughs> Audacity of this fucking guy. I can't believe it. But consider the stakes here. I am so sorry we had the audacity to ask you to listen to a podcast or make your life in absolutely no way any worse by waiting a couple hours to find out the text of the cards. Former world champ Chris Dyer officially hates the Slums cast. That is a W for the Slums cast in my book because <laughs> he didn't know who we were before. Nobody cared was... who we were before we put on the drill. I just think it's funny that Chris Dyer, of all people, is getting all uppity about not getting text for new cards. And it's like, Chris, you're going to be buried with your fucking altar and CTM from your world champ deck, all right? Like, listen, we all know that you're not going to play these cards. You're just going to complain about them the whole time. And let, listen, I love having shit to complain about. It's my favorite fucking thing in the world. But come on, man, this is different. You know it. I think that the most ridiculous comment that I heard, and I don't know who it was, it wasn't Chris, but it was certainly on the UK channel, was somebody posed the idea that Nisei should get involved and they should dictate how streamers <laughs> and content creators... Sorry, I, this is the first time I'm hearing this and I, I you yeah. can hear my just natural reaction. <laughs> that, was yeah. that was a very so, genuine laugh, yeah. <laughs> yes, so... They should get involved and they should dictate how streamers and content creators displayed the content on their media and make sure that there was a baseline level of accessibility to the podcast or, or whatever other media. Listen, there Point is... Dexter, there's no rules here. Let's give the anarchists and the fucking woke moralists uh, more control over what people what people do in their free time, but it fucking doesn't affect or hurt anybody. <sighs> well, that, and, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I do understand the potential. Like, if you want to ding us for accessibility, what I'm going to say in return is our scoops were 100% accessible. We posted them in their entirety with text, like with full text, with full image. They were on the stream at the end of the day. They were on Imgur the next day, 24 hours later. The absolute worst case scenario if you are unable to listen to this podcast is you still get the scoops in their entirety mm -hmm. but pants that wasn't their complaint that's not how i read that complaint if if, it, if that's how it came through the way that john no, no, well, no I'm, the, I'm posing that as a that's complaint. a really like, generous that's a really generous if that had been that a complaint. real complaint that would be my actual response to it sure. because i do think there is actually some merit in like you need mm -hmm. to make sure your scoops are accessible i agree we did make sure our scoops were accessible but instead, so, their complaint was actually, please, please daddy, may, may I have the scoops? Like, <sighs> So I, I take the less charitable reading of it simply because the comparisons were brought up. Well, okay, there were timestamps on this podcast. This podcast put up links to images right away in their show notes. And then uh, this stream did the cards first in a, in a fan before uh, they went into analysis. And it was like, well, we didn't. We decided not to. Yeah. We, we gave you that experience. We, we give you that experience. If all you want is the cards, just wait for us to drop the link. It doesn't make yeah. your life any worse not to have that like first five hours of discussion, does it? The thing that inevitably happened is someone just posted the text anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do shit. Ever. Like, you know what's gonna make you do work here? <laughs> like I don't know. Like the like the one thing that I can take away and maybe give is okay. I did see a take that was reasonable, which was okay, if you have somebody who has a hearing disability, a deaf person, they can't listen to the podcast and then therefore get the scoops when they're released. To be clear, in the write-up of the episode, which is in text, we did say. In 24 hours, you will have a link to the full text of the cards. 
What I ultimately take away from this is we did nothing wrong. The UK were a bunch of whiners and I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. Where, where's the lie, sis? Where's the lie? The UK is still surly that CTM like kind of sucks or that they can't just play the same decks that they've been playing for six fucking years. Like actually, I know, you know this isn't a limit card game anymore, but no one would be more happy if Netrunner was actually a dead game where they where they only got to play the same two decks forever than the UK. No one would be more stoked on that news than Dyer and Seamus. I promise you. The responses that I actually kind of liked that were on their face in the same direction were like we got some black in the uh, in the GLC spoilers channel where people were like, oh, the, the episode dropped. What are the cards? I, if I remember correctly, one person was in there saying like people are going around talking about these other podcasts and these other content creators and saying that they're the villains of Netrunner. Meanwhile, the slums cast is just walking free out here. Yeah, I don't give a shit. We can be a Netrunner villain. But the important thing is, after they said that, they went and listened to the episode. To prepare for this podcast, I actually went and joined UK. I I was not in it because I fucking had self-worth and love myself. Because I was like, I gotta, I gotta get a feeling for, for what is this channel actually like? Like, let's do some fucking gonzo journalism and embed myself with these people <laughs> so what i so here's here's my takeaway here's my big takeaway from joining the uk channel uh you know the the crow meme that everyone loves about like getting yelled over basically mm-hmm. about ctm about ag and offer you yeah the netrunner you. version is about ctm but i mean i'm just taking it in general oh, okay uk yeah. is like if 800 crows were all in the same room <laughs> And all of them active on Slack at the same time. And and all of them had no idea what good food tasted like. <laughs> I, I can't anymore. I've lost the ability to can. It's so unfortunate, too, because genuinely, that country does have extraordinarily good food contained within its borders. I mean, I've, I've had some of the best Indian subcontinent food of my entire life within the confines of that sovereign nation state. I take it back. One person gets to be off the hook, and that's Ed. Ed's off the hook. Oh, oh, oh 100%. Ed, Ed, Ed's Ed, fantastic. Ed, 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 Ed gets a fucking get-out-of-the-UK-free card. Yeah, no, noted, noted friend of the cast, Ed. Honestly, you know, yeah, Ed, we, we had Rotom on. I liked Rotom. Rotom's cool. Ro- Rotom doesn't count. Rotom's not part of this conversation. Rotom is not a representative of UK of the UK channel on Slack. He's a representative of Snare Bears. That is a good mm-hmm. point. Did test with them pretty much entirely leading up to this past world. Exactly. You know this yeah. because he didn't play a yellow deck. <laughs> he, I, he, didn't I, try to, he didn't try to force CTM. I think by default, the Snare Bears Association gives the U.S. at least half custody. I'm no treaty writer, but that seems right to me. I think it's really telling that the only times that the the, the UK, what I, I would say that the UK meeting UK in the Slack channel, and by, by, by that I mean Chris Dyer. The only time that Chris won Worlds or came close to winning Worlds was when the meta had fully crystallized and everyone knew what the best two fucking decks were, and one of them was CTM. And you know what? One of those times, he still didn't win. Let's fucking go. All hail King Joe. The look on Chris's face when he realized that Joe didn't know that he could just break resistor with Ketzel, like when he didn't immediately know that, priceless. The look on <laughs> his face is like, I lost to this fucking guy who doesn't even know how the cards work? And now you're oh telling me God. that the game's dead? The man looked like he envied the dead. It was awesome. <laughs> the absolute best part of that was also just the look on Josh's face. When he realized, like, if I remember correctly, oh, when, the conversation when he, after when, was when like, jo- when Josh I, got I fucking lucky because Josh did it. It must have been good. 
<laughs> yeah, also the look on relief, uh, the, the look of relief on Joe's face when he realized he didn't have to play Josh for the crowd. <laughs> it was very palpable. <laughs> the other great UK moment from that particular world, Aaron Andrews is in a two for one against Seamus. So Seamus is on that the Max deck, the patchwork Max deck that mm-hmm. all of UK was on. Good deck, fine deck, solid. Uh, I played against it. Aaron Andrews is on Pollen of Foods, and it's basically like if you tried to jam a Never Advance, a Fast Advance, a Glacier deck, and a Death Damage deck, all oh, of that, their, that deck like, was all, so good. It's so sick. And just watching Seamus get slowly ground into a pile of salt by the Pollen of Foods deck until he lost, his deck splayed out, his his head fully in his hands with, with a look at his face like, what did I do to deserve this? What decisions in my life led me up to this being the end? Powerful. <laughs> As the greatest poet of our age, Drill, would say, I can feel myself becoming radicalized from this. <laughs> So are you saying that Mopus was an event where Auntie specifically got to shit all over the UK? Yeah, and it's great. Why do you, oh, why we, do you think it was one of the best tournaments ever? We, we talk about America CTM, but that's the real crossing the Delaware moment right there. Yeah, much like our country, we basically stole America CTM from, from the Brits and then beat them to death with it. So, you know, art imitates life. <laughs> One thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about Scoopsgate that I do want to bring up because there are many funny parts of Scoopsgate, like just extremely funny parts of Scoopsgate. But the part that I find the funniest, the Imgur Gallery that contained like, you know, the full text scoops. This was a public album. Anyone can see it. And notably, the, the way that Imgur albums work, if you have a hidden one, like anyone who has the link can view it, which they would have had from the podcast. But if it's public, people can vote on it. Guess how many Karma, the Scoops album, which gave people the full text and full images of these cards for the first time in the world, currently has? The answer to this is obvious. It has negative Karma for some reason, right? negative four. Yeah. (laughs) People were so... So you're telling me that not one, not two, not three, but four clouds from this channel were like karma. So it's at least five. Five. (laughs) So you're telling me that like almost a half dozen people were like, "Hey, you know what? Up yours, buddy." How dare you give us these cards? Take these spoilers and lock them up. How dare you have the audacity not to give me the exact thing that I want in the exact way that I want it at the exact time that I decided you were going to? That's fucked up. We don't want these anymore. We've already got one. That's a very American attitude. They should be ashamed of themselves. Here's like one of my big points, maybe my final point on the UK is I think the most damning thing that I can say about the UK, really the thing that drives home what a fucking colossal joke the UK actually is, is that without the UK, America wouldn't exist. And that sucks. That sucks. They really fucked up by just being... God, you have a real good point. Like, just, I am begging you, send any competent general. History will thank you. Come on, man. Like, if they just weren't, neither would we. And that would be best for everybody. So, like, the joke's on them, really. (laughs) You wanted this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of that domino meme where it's like the tiny domino leading up to the gigantic domino. It's like (laughs) ancient Celts. Ancient kilt sees large water, at least the small domino, to like large domino. Like Joe Shup dismantles your country. (laughs) If UK channel on Slack isn't private after this episode drops, we failed. Yeah, that would be the perfect final domino. They just take their ball and go home. It's it's, it's (laughs) literally just like the lock, like the the Slack lock symbol UK. Josh, you're a Photoshop guy. Please make that and then uh, set it as your avatar. (laughs) Can we 
talk about how, how uh, the UK channel is their own personal circus clown in the, in, in the form of Swifty? That is honestly one of the most endearing things about them, though. Swifty is passable because he really is the court jester of that channel. I also find it funny that his obsession is like truly one of the most American things that currently exists. That, of course, <laughs> being Taylor Swift. Yep. It's like a weird, like reverse weeaboo sort of situation. Like he's just a weird, like Ameriboo. I got I got another thing to like say to like maybe wrap this out though. All right, so this in no way cancels the beef. The beef is eternal. Be- the beef is eternal. We're going to braise that as long as as we see fit here. I do think honestly, the whole like Nisei should get involved in this. You guys did it wrong because you didn't do it this way. That's kind of ridiculous. Uh, we're 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 not going to apologize for our drills. Get no, fucked. there's some of the um, best work of my fucking career. So get fucked on that. And if we get scoops next year, we're going to do the same thing. So prepare yourself and get fucked again. Yeah, because... in, in, in no way do I apologize. I will not yeah. change moving forward. Yeah, so, so we're never going to change. We're not going to apologize for it. However, I will say that there was something endearing that happened. And unfortunately, I have to give props to Chris Dyer. I know, I know, huh? you know, he's only won the one tournament. He's not even that good. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, um... the, one, the one tournament that I've like never even made day two of. Exactly. He did do this thing near the end of Scoop season where he went through each faction and he found a positive thing to say about each faction and ways that he liked some of the cards that were coming out for those factions. So that was pretty cool. And that that was that was actually sincerely a good thing. One of the only good things to come out of the uh, UK channel in, uh, well, basically ever. I think if I, I had like how you spoon- started off with. This doesn't like this doesn't cancel the beef as if it was going to even seem like it was going to. And you end with the only good thing they've ever done. <laughs> I, I think if I had my spoons together, my weekend project would be rewriting Green Day's Wake Me Up When September Ends to Wake Me Up When Scoop Temper Ends and then recording that. <laughs> Just put, I'll, I'll post it in UK. Anyway, my, my, my takeaway is the UK is a bunch of whiny clowns and I look forward to them not winning the NBA Continentals. In all seriousness, we've got this beef now. Except Ed. Ed, you're great. Except Rotom. Rotom, you're great. Rotom and Ed, you're off the hook. Uh, Colorado has custody of limes. Yeah, he's an, he's yeah, an honorary. Yeah, I, 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 I was yeah. not even considering. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah, even yeah. considering okay. limes in this country. Oh, yeah, no. no I, 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 instantly out of jail. Instantly yeah. out of jail. Uh, and, and yeah, we can call Ed a, an honorary slummy. He did take part in by far our most inebriated episode. <laughs> God, I still have a hangover from that. Have we disparaged the country and their Netrunner accomplishments enough for the day? No, no but, the but it's time to move to end on. eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should move on to something more controversial. What do you think, Josh? Oh, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down. In fact, I already set it on the table and opened it, put it back in the box, taped up the box, and stamped return to sender. So what that That's means... That's a lot more involved than I expected that to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. So what that means is it's time for what's classically our longest segment. It takes more time than the rest of the podcast combined we go through the ins and outs of the tournament implications of this choice and we really get into the nitty-gritty of what it's going to do to decks and anti-decks and cards and playing cards and the meta and it's time for ban or nab cranked Mm -hmm. as our guest this week you get to pick the card I scoured Netrunner DB for a card that I think would stir up some good uh some good controversy so my choice for ban or nab Rashida Jaheim, ban or nab? Ban. 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 Fuck that card. All right. We do not have time to discuss. It is time to move on to bad card of the week. It's still bad, and you still shouldn't play it at Continentals. Cranks, do you have a bad card of the week that's still bad, and you still shouldn't play it at Continentals? 
I do. I wanted to keep on the new card train for this one. So my choice for bad card that's still bad and you shouldn't play it, especially a Continental, Light the Fire. That's kind of a spicy pick. Tell me this about card fucking fuck. sucks. Play pinhole threading. Like just play, just just play something else. <laughs> There's borderline. No, I don't. I really do not see the argument for this card. And I'll 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 give you uh, two words why I fucking hate this card. Border control. Does yep. it blank border control? Yep. No. Yep. Oh, this card. Yeah, fuck this card. Like this is bad. <laughs> Maybe in an Essa deck I can see it, but it's not. You're not playing it for anything past the word suffer one core damage. That's the only reason you play this card in Essa, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this card fucking blows. Spend one less influence and just play pinhole threading if you want a card that approximates something like this. For a while, I was on the train of Light the Fire is going to be a good card. That was because pinhole threading hadn't been spoiled yet. Correct. Yeah, in a world where you only have the booster pack and where you haven't read the part where it actually doesn't let you access anything in the server, it just trashes it. Yeah, this card looks great. It looks, oh, very playable. Hey, this is the new political operative. And then they just print the new political operative. It's pinhole threading. Tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> this card doesn't make me quite as like viscerally angry as like my last appearance, which was the Gauntlet. That card sucks much more egregiously. But I think that much like the Gauntlet, this is a trap card to get you to get you to play a card that looks good on paper and is actually just gonna make you hate your life when you mm. cast it and blast it. What's the only situation where pinhole threading is actually worse than the Light of Fire? Is it like ganked exactly with the probably, already rezzed? Probably, yeah. Probably like exactly ganked or the dumbass uh, NAPD Cordon Blue deck that we were talking about <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. before. Like also, if you're playing against that deck at Continentals, you have other problems. Yes. Like you're you're already in super hell at that point. Yeah. You're, you're in super hell either because you're on bottom tables or because you're about to have bad round one. Yeah, nothing. Nothing good's gonna come from from that if that's happening to you. I do uh, think that that deck is also more than happy to put in border control. Like almost oh, all decks are yeah. are happy to put in border control. So God damn it, we have to give props to Chris Dyer again. Busted no, we don't. So no, we good. don't. Fuck that card. I hate that card. I'm not giving um, him props. He made the game tangibly worse because of that card. I mean, it has been a staple card ever since it was legal. So there is something to be said about it. And yeah, apparently so, what's to be said is it made the game tangibly worse. I had fun with Netrunner before that card existed. And once that card existed, I had less fun with the game. So uh, game <laughs> set and match, motherfucker. I think that I agree with you. I don't have a visceral reaction to light the fire either. Like we did for the 15 minutes that we talked about Gauntlet and Shadow over it. God, what a fucking terrible card. Gauntlet fucking Truly sucks. Terrible. I think that Startup bears out my thoughts here on light the fire, which is... It is a meta where border control doesn't exist and light the fire <laughs> does save you influence. It's good. It is not as good as we thought it was, though, because you're not going to run three. You're probably not even going to run two. And so that's going to get you maybe one agenda. You're going to trash maybe a skunk void at maximum, right? Because you're going to blank both of them and then you're going to trash them mm -hmm. at the end of that run. So it's going to get you one agenda, which is good. Yeah, it's yeah. not broken. But it doesn't score you the agenda. It trashes the agenda. Well, so you, still have to go run you still have to go yeah. run archives and hope yeah. that that's yeah. not defended either and that they don't have a spin doctor on the board too. It's yeah. startup though. Yeah. What are you using that quick for? <laughs> In the standard meta where you're more than happy to spend influence for the full suite of border controls in like almost any faction... I don't think that light the fire is very good. Light the fire? More like I'd like to light this card on fire because it blows. I like the art. The art's good. 
Arch and like good. border control is yeah, the fine. last card to like rotate out of standard two. So it's yeah, not Chris going Dyer, anywhere Chris anytime ruins soon. ruins my life again. Yeah he, yeah, he just finds another way to fuck me over. God yeah, forbid Magnum I Oaks remote is... successfully. They'd have to Even the... something wild to make border control like not a good card. We are fucked as a, as a player base if that happens. <laughs> Hold on, I've got it. It blanks ice with a trash ability in the server you're running. <laughs> Even in the best case scenario that you're talking about, Cranks, where you're like running it in Essa because you also get core damage, I think there's still an issue there, which is I'm just not convinced that Essa's there yet. I just don't think that no. there's enough core damage for you to reliably get enough I, sabotage. I think you're exactly right. I think you know I think we'll know this when when Parhelion drops, I guarantee you. Any Essa deck that was running any number of Light the Fire, the second we see another card that says uh, you take core damage on it, they're going to drop those Light the Fires immediately for whatever that card is. It almost doesn't matter what it does. Or potentially you still run one. I'm, this is another, I'm going back to the, uh, this is a callback to the called shot section. My, yeah. my, my called shot is everyone's going to look at each other at the same time when Parthelion drops and be like, what were we doing with this fucking thing in our decks? And they're all going to, they're all going <laughs> to remove it for literally anything else. You know, what's really funny about uh, Light the Fire, though, is it's another classic example of a card that we looked at, and it was kind of a the sky is falling card. And in play, it's proven to be eh, okay. I don't know. I wasn't that worried about it because if we're comparing it to Polop, which is probably the most fair comparison, because it's kind of like a cross between like Polop and Singularity or something. But if we're going to compare it to Polop, it's a lot harder to get in the remote most of the time than it is to get into HQ for a Polop. Also, it takes a click, whereas Polop was just like, oh, I ran HQ and I can install Pop It, which is like a neat little skateboard trick that, that you could do with Polop that you can't do with Light the Fire. My, my TLDR is light the fire socks and play something else. <laughs> Literally anything else. Uh, within reason. Well, in that case, I guess uh, we, we should move to the outro of the episode then. This has been an episode of the Slumscast. Thank you for coming along with us. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of the Slumscast, if you want to join in on the UK beef, go ahead and follow the Slumscast. You can do that basically everywhere you follow podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a rating or a review. We have read 100% of the reviews that we've gotten for the Slums cast on the Slums cast. So, can you see where episodes of a particular like podcast, like where they were like most listened to or most downloaded, like in what regions? Yes, but the data is super unreliable. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, can yeah. I get an update like this time next month for how many listens this has in the United Kingdom? We get that data. It's just the issue is we only get it for Spotify listeners. And that's like 25% of the people that listen or something like that. Do they not have that in the UK? Because that's actually probably a positive for them, really. Consider leaving us a rating. I think most importantly, if you have a friend or a family member or a coworker or probably an enemy that you think... You you want them to listen to this episode of the Slumscast. Consider sending them this episode of the Slumscast so that they can listen to it. Special thanks this week go to Cranked, obviously. Shoutouts to Cranked. Shoutouts to username equals pants, as usual. Agreed. Any other shoutouts that you want to give while you're here on the cast? Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to shoutouts uh, as a concept. I'd like to give a shout-out to all of Anti. Specifically, I'd like to give a special shout-out to my boy CTZ. I would like to give a shit in, which is the opposite of a shout out. I'd like to give a shit in again to the United Kingdom. And by extension, I'd like to give a shout out to the United Kingdom's prison colony, Australia. You guys are great. Yeah, that's what I got. Go Yankees. Go Culver's. Eat a Joe's. And Taco Bell was framed. Taco Bell was fucking framed and you know it.
if you have any questions or comments about all the things that you just heard, the best people to contact are, are one of the one of the two of us, me or Orbs. Best place to reach us is uh, places. I mean, Stim Slack is a good one. GLC is a good one. Twitter is a reasonable one. There's an email that's connected to the Slums Cast. We check it occasionally, but you can, you can send us it's, an email it's, there as It's well. museumlover420 at, uh, at rocketmail.com. You think we would use Rocketmail? if you have any questions or comments feel free to send those to us at any of those places if you have any concerns if you have been personally victimized by this beef we do have a post credits sequence that you might want to listen to so just hang on for that What's edit this out? What's the post credit sequence? What's what's the what's oh I'm now now I'm brainstorming. What can you put in there that'll just make them mad? But in retrospect, I thought you were gonna play like some meme worthy audio that like the UK would be like, Ur. uh, we we could do the uh we could do the Lord Nelson, Lord David Bruce, Sir Winston Churchill, Sir Anthony Eden, Clemens Attlee, Henry Cooper, Lady Diana. Yes, of them all the summon. Yes, of them all the summon. Maggie Thatcher, can you hear me? Maggie Thatcher, your boys took a hell of a beating. Your boys took a hell of a beating. One of the funniest things relating to like music and the UK that I've heard recently is uh, so like the, the, the whole Boris Johnson resignation shenanigans debacle, you might say. Obviously, these this is like a thing that they do in public, right? Like they, they go out and they meet the press and they talk, and it's in it's literally on the street in front of twenty two Downing or whatever the whatever the street address of the street Who cares, is. Really? Um, it's it, it, I'm, I'm just going to assume it's twenty two Downing. Sure. Um, they're out there talking to reporters and like you know giving these like very you know oh well the, we we believe it's time for the party to move on and blah 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 and all of this shit and you know very very somber very serious speeches and. It turns out, you know, this this is a public street. Like there are residences on this street. People live on this street. And one of the people that lived in one of these residences on this street was contacted by some people who were watching, like some friends of his who were watching the public, like the the, the BBC news coverage of this very somber Boris Johnson resignation shenanigans. And they were like, hey. Could you play the Benny Hill theme? Like, do you have a really loud boombox? I did hear about this. <laughs> and so, oh, sure enough, he did have a loud sound system, and he blasted oh, the fuck. Benny Hill theme at full volume. So you can hear it in the background of many of these publicly like archived videos of people talking very somberly about the need to move on with leadership. <laughs> That's extremely funny. The only way that could be better is if it was the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song. <laughs>